everyone. Welcome to the final episode of the Documenting History series. I'm your host, Rima Patil, and today is Monday, June 6th, 2022. Given that the school year is coming to a close with literally less than a week left, today's episode is going to be a bit different. We're going to spend our time today looking at some of the events that have unfolded over the past year and drawing more connections towards my own life and my way of thinking. Today we will be looking at three different historical events over the past year. The Robb Elementary School shooting in Ulvedi, Texas, the banning of so-called controversial books across America, across schools in America, and finally updates and developments in the war between Russia and Ukraine. Let's dive right into our first topic of the episode, the epidemic of gun violence across the country. On May 24, 2022, now identified 18-year-old Salvador Ramos opened fire at the Robb Elementary School in Ulvedi, Texas, killing 19 children and two teachers and wounding another 15 children, a police officer, and his own grandmother. Only five months into 2022 at the time, and it has already been the 27th American school shooting of the year. The incident is also regarded as the deadliest school shooting since the shooting at Sandy Hook Elementary School, where 26 people were killed, including children and staff. There are two things about this shooting, however, that make it even more frightening. The delay in the response of law enforcement officials and the timeliness of this event. Since the shooting, the Olvedi Law Enforcement and the Texas Department of Safety have been heavily criticized for their incorrect classification of the event. And by this, I mean the fact that Salvador Ramos was able to remain within the school for almost an hour and a half after being shot, before being, excuse me, before being shot by law enforcement. This was possible because the commanding officer on the scene had mistakenly decided that the active shooting part, quote-unquote, of Ramos's attack had finished just after the first initial few firings, and that the situation at hand was just one of, quote-unquote, a barricaded subject. On top of the incompetency of the law officials at, in the moment, the Olvedi school shooting occurred barely 10 days after a shooting in Buffalo, New York. The incident took place on May 14, 2022, at a supermarket in a predominantly black neighborhood. The 11 victims of the shooting <clears throat> excuse me, were all black, and another black individual and two white individuals were also injured. So, not even two weeks from each other, two major shootings occurred in locations where populations are majority minority, with Olvedi being a Hispanic majority city and the Kingsley neighborhood being predominantly black. I chose to talk about this topic today with you because I feel that over the past year especially, we've seen an uptick in the abuse of an individual's right to bear arms. More and more wider discussions have spurred about American gun culture and violence, and we've heard a range of responses from supporting a federal ban on assault rifles 
through increasing security measures within the schools themselves through arming teachers. The topic of gun control and safety in relation to school shootings and the racially motivated hate crimes and attacks have impacted my life due to my, my identity. I am of Indian descent, with my parents having immigrated from India over 20 years ago. I am also a high school student. I am also a kid. It's scary to think that if I did not live in the bubble that is Redmond, Washington, that is the Overlake School, or even in my current life despite where I live, I, as well as my classmates, friends, siblings, do do and would fit into the same category as the innocent children, innocent individuals involved in these mass shootings. Looking at the fact that over the course of the entire year of 2021, there were around 600 mass shootings, and yet there have already been well over 200 so far this year, my thinking about the world has evolved to the point where I can only simply ask why. Why are minority communities still the target of such violent and merciless attacks, especially in a country and a society that is literally moving towards being majority-minority over the next few decades? I am simply, I'm simultaneously, excuse me, learning how it is this diversity in thought, culture, race, background, everything that makes and will make my generation so different from those in the past while learning that is the same diversity that still makes people uncomfortable. Frankly, I would classify gun violence and such mass shootings as an epidemic of massive proportions. It is like a disease that seems to play our country and our country specifically. And so, while I may not have any power or agency to enact change from an individual standpoint, I would urge those of you who are of age to vote, those who have the power, to take a look, to take a closer look at the nature of gun violence in our country. Over the past year, still in the pandemic, we have gotten to have school feel a bit more like it used to, a bit more normal. And especially in light of having all the normalcy relating to school being taken away from us for almost two years, Now, more than ever, school should feel like a safe haven to learn. However, this violence is keeping this from us. If I were to enact change to tackle this epidemic, I would not arm teachers because that would only make students feel constantly on edge and make make the school environment a constant reminder of possible danger. Rather, I would address what is really at the root of the issue and work to instill background checks and further regulations on purchasing firearms. Because frankly, the fact that it is possible for an 18-year-old, a whole child, to walk into a store and purchase an assault rifle is terrifying. Okay, let's switch gears a little bit and move on to our second topic. The second historical development that has had the biggest impact on my thinking, specifically how I view my educational opportunities, deals with the growing culture of anti-LGBTQ, more close-minded majority within the country. Specifically, we're going to discuss how the increasing number of books being banned from educational curriculums across the country is a direct attack on our First Amendment. 
Over the course of 2021 to 2022, the ALA, the American Library Association, received reports for book challenges at a rate which was unprecedented in history. A considerable number of these books did go on to be banned on a state-by-state basis in the United States, and most of these books had to do with topics of race, gender, and sexuality. These books fell into categories of discussion ranging from critical race theory to comprehensive sexual education. Let's briefly discuss a few cases and examples themselves. In July 2021, Texas passed a bill known as the Critical Race Theory Law, which restricted the extent to which students can learn and discuss race, racism, sex, sexism, and their implications on American culture and history. The passing of this law followed, was followed with the challenging and banning of several books. In fact, Texas Representative Matt Krauss distributed a list of 850 books, which he said might make students feel discomfort. Excuse me, might make students feel discomfort, quote unquote. On this list were several award-winning books, including the Coretta Scott King Award winner, New Kid by Jerry Craft. The book is simply about a 12-year-old African-American boy who experiences a cultural shock when he enrolls at a private school. And yet, the book was banned on account of promoting Marxism and reverse racism. Similarly, award-winning books The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas and Mouse by Art Spiegelman were banned from several schools on account of having too much unnecessary profanity. Mouse, specifically, was removed from several schools in Tennessee due to eight words of profanity, including damn, and a small drawing of a nude cat. This specific instance spurred a lot of criticism as the book depicts Spiegelman's father's experience as a Holocaust survivor. And so by banning the discussion of such topics, you're purposefully neglecting a major part of global history. What I just told you about is only a glimpse of, into some of the books that have been banned from school curriculums across the country within the past year, with the intent to stop children from learning about race, sexual orientation, gender identity, and different cultures. A spokesperson from ABC News, whose name was not specifically noted, characterizes her response to the situation by saying she has, quote, never seen such widespread effort to remove books on racial and gender diversity, end quote. And I completely agree with this statement. I feel like this widespread effort is simply an escalating attack on the freedom of speech of school children in America. If you've been listening to my podcast for a few episodes now, you may recall that one of my closest friends moved to Florida almost a year ago. This has allowed me to gain insight onto what her experience going to a private school in Naples compares to going compares with to going to the Overlake School in Redmond. So while I'm fortunate to live in a place where and go to a school where discussion about these topics about 
diversity in race and sexuality and individuality are not only encouraged but fed no sorry excuse me are not only allowed but encouraged my thinking and understanding of the world has shifted and that i realized now that not everywhere is like this for example my same friend lives in the state where many of the previously mentioned books are banned and there is a bill in place that prevents discussion about sexual orientation and i realized that she has a staggering staggeringly different school experience than i do these developments in the restriction of discussing certain topics in the classroom setting have impacted me because they have impacted the people i care about and in general i feel like this growing attack on our generation's ability to learn about topics like gender identity race and sexual orientation will only hurt the progress and development of our society in the future growing diversity lays at the foundation of my generation and so preventing us students across the country to engage in such conversation at this age will impact the way in which we view the importance of diversity in the future engaging in uncomfortable topics is how you gain familiarity and so by shielding children from certain topics even on the account of believing that they may not align with certain morals only further perpetuates a society that does not foster or encourage different perspectives and cultures i may not myself have any power or agency to enact change on the state or federal level for those places where such books are banned but i will continue to buy and read books that provide information about and educate me on different perspectives and topics that are crucial to devel- developing a devi- diverse and open society i'm going to continue to make the most out of the conversations held in the classrooms at my school and i encourage you all to do the same if you are able because encouraging because engaging with these topics now at an age at our age will only be beneficial to our holistic development as open-minded and informed individuals finally the last topic i wanted to talk to you today about is a topic you may remember discussing with me if you've listened to any of my previous episodes but today i wanted to give you an update regarding the war between russia and ukraine and discuss how living in this historically momentous time has changed how i think about the world first let me give you some background of the war on february 24th 2022 russia invaded ukraine this invasion has since caused the fastest growing refugee crisis since world war 2 with millions of ukrainians fleeing their country and with a third of the population being displaced. The invasion began with missiles and airstrikes hitting cities across the country that morning, including Ukraine's capital Kyiv. Since then, there has been a myriad of a myriad of attacks and seizings of Ukrainian cities from Russian-driven fronts on all sides. From Belarus on the north, Crimea on the south, on the southern front, and the cities of Lunsk, Luhansk and Donetsk um uh, my my pronunciation serving as a south southeastern front 
But the real question here is why? What is causing all of this? Well, since their independence in 1991, after the collapse of the Soviet Union, Ukraine has been forming closer ties with the European Union and and NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. Seeing these ties forming as an economic and strategic security threat, Russia's main goal was to prevent Ukraine from joining NATO. As Putin views Ukraine and Russia as one country, failing to recognize Ukraine's right to independence. This invasion has been met with with widespread global disapproval of many of the global organizations as many of the global organizations in place have altered their connections to Russia. For example, the United Nations General Assembly has demanded full withdrawal of Russian forces. The Council of Europe has expelled Russia, and many countries have similarly imposed sanctions on Russia. This, as we'll talk about in more detail later, has affected the economy of not just Russia, but of a great deal of the rest of the world, as as numerous countries have withdrawn their products and services from Russia and Belarus. And for more of a recent news update on the escalation of this conflict, the key Ukrainian city under siege today is Severodonetsk, which remains a major focus of the Russian offensive. A number of Russian-controlled Ukrainian ports have set out freight vessels headed towards Africa, filled with stolen grain. These shipments are bound towards Africa, primarily due to the worsening food insecurity across the continent due to the global grain shortages. The European Parliament has also recently banned Russian lobbyists from entering its premises, and in growing attempts to seize the assets of Russian oligarchs across the world, the United States has just won the case to take ownership of a Russian superyacht in Fiji. And the final and one of the most important updates, I believe, that I have for you today is that the Biden administration has agreed to provide Ukraine with artillery and longer-range rocket systems that are going to be very crucial, but will not be used to fire directly into Russia. So while this event has really evolved evolved within this year, 2022 specifically, rather than the whole year, rather than the whole school year, it has really managed to impact my life and the lives of everyone across the world because we are truly living in historical times. I don't think I realized how drastic and serious the situation was until we discussed it in my history class, and then it hit me. Learning about how Russia has one by one seized cities across Ukraine and managed to displace and kill thousands and millions of Ukrainian civilians has impacted how I think about the world, in that I've had to reset my understanding of world power. And by this, I mean I've had to understand just how much power certain countries have in comparison with others. I've also been able to see how intertwined and codependent our global economy is. 
and that the effects of imposing sanctions on Russia has had rippling effects across the globe. For example, both Ukraine and Russia are major suppliers of wheat and other cereals to Africa, while Russia is also a key producer of fertilizer. And due to the already fragile nature of the global economy, due to the impacts of the coronavirus pandemic, our thinking has shifted in that we not only have to look at the social and humanitarian impacts of war, but also its economic impacts. In my history class over the past year, we've consistently been discussing the effectiveness of our global institutions, like the United Nations and NATO, when it comes to dealing with global crises. And so it's been very now interesting to watch how these institutions actually manage to navigate a major scale conflict and to be able to compare their actual efficacy to how we've seen their effectiveness in dealing with past events. Similar to what I've said for our two previously discussed topics, I think that being able to tackle an issue or identifying what power you have in creating change can be so hard when you're faced with an issue or problem that is on such a large scale. For example, I don't have any agency in enacting direct change in addressing the issue of the Russia-Ukraine war, but I definitely still believe there are things I can do to help. Finding even small ways to contribute or provide relief on any scale is the first step to tackling the global issues that you want to help but may not know how. For example, when thinking about this war or what power I have at an individual level, I realized that I do know family a family whose family member has recently gone to the Ukrainian border to help with the refugee crisis and such. Being able to contribute, whether it be money or supplies or your help to causes for relief such as this, such as this dad was doing when he went to the Ukrainian border, is what I believe is the best way to use your power and your resources to help those across the globe who are faced with such difficult positions. Over the 2021-2022 school year, a lot has happened. And frankly, living in the bubble that we all do, in Washington, in Redmond, at the Overlake School, I think we've had the opportunity to be able to fully understand and talk about how these global developments and changes have impacted the way the world works now. I think we've had the opportunity to take the time to figure out what powers we have on an individual level and decide what our beliefs and values are when directed towards global matters. Having the time and space, having the encouragement to unpack and discuss these life-changing historical developments over the past year in my history class has been so helpful to myself in shaping the way I think about the world. And so I encourage you all with the rest of the school year, with the rest of 2022, to take a look at how the global events over the past year have impacted your life and the way you think. Thank you so much for joining me one last time. I'm Rama Patil, and this was Documenting History.